all right ready we're about to open a portal and we're about to enter into a realm <laughs> where Swami Sri Yukteswar, Paramahansa Yogananda, all these great saints are not only around on a conscious level but are very much just around us in a physical level as well. The moment we open this book, suddenly an Everything entire changes. new world <laughs> awakens. And that's the beauty of also how Master's written the book, just with so much conscious awareness, so much detail, every word meaning something very specific, very particular, to allow us to really feel, not just to know and understand and enjoy, but to feel. And so let us feel together what more Swami Sri Yukteswar, our Guru, is trying to share with us. We are still on chapter 12, page 125. My own temperament is principally devotional. It was disconcerting at first to find that my Guru, saturated with jnana, but seemingly dry of bhakti, expressed himself only in terms of cold spiritual mathematics. But as I tuned myself to his nature, I discovered no diminution, but rather increase in my devotional approach to God. A self-realized master is fully able to guide his various disciples along natural lines of their essential bias. Again, a very subtle but and interesting and important aspect of uh, the Guru, especially when early on you're looking for a Guru or you're trying to find which path is yours. Don't judge the path solely on the fact that, oh, you know, I'm more this kind and these people or the teachings or particularly the Guru is of a different kind. Uh, don't try to create too much of an outward personality or what my own nature, natural bias is. Really try to tune in behind all those things. And even when we tune into our masters, you know, don't kind of skip over <laughs> some of them thinking that, you know, this doesn't work for me. I'm not that kind. And especially Swami Sri Yukteswarji always tends to be, uh, you know, we try to be like, oh, I don't know if I want to deal with that right now. <laughs> Let me go to somebody. Let me go to Yogananda. Let me go to even Lehri Mahashaya. Um, but use the very specific, use the gyan that Sri Yukteswarji emanates as a means also to water your own bhakti or to water your own karma yoga, you know, inclinations. But know that beyond just the outward superficial. I mean, Swami Sri Yukteswar, he played a very particular role in that life. He had to mold his life in a very particular way, but in no means does it limit his, both his consciousness and his ability to give and transform you in your own unique way. I think what Sri Yukteswar brought to the whole approach uh, on the path is practicality. Mm. And that's something that everyone wants to skip. You know, <laughs> they don't want to be practical. They just want to be super spiritual in Samadhi all the time. They don't want to do the, you know, the simple things that will make you grounded. I don't know why people, you know, feel that being grounded is not spiritual. And 
I think distributors whose role is vital for us to find the perfect balance mm. on the path. Otherwise, it won't work. So both aspects, you know, the heart and the head go hand in hand together. My relationship with Sri Yukteswar, somewhat inarticulate, nonetheless possessed all eloquence in the sense that there wasn't that much conversational reality necessarily between the two. Often, I found his silent signature on my thoughts, rendering speech inutile. So often the master was saying that he didn't even need to express himself to Sri Yukteswar because they found such a um, inward connection that even speech became superfluous. And uh, I love this word. I could I found his silent signature on my thoughts, as in even Yogananda's thoughts started to have that particular vibration, that particular signature of Sri Yukteswar's. It reminds me of this. Um, thing that uh, Ashana Swami would tell us, uh, talk to us about when Swamiji, especially fairly early on when he was just starting to ask people to take on responsibilities beyond the original community and another village and you know Portland was opening and Seattle was happening and Palo Alto was happening and of course the uh, leaders who were being asked to go a, they weren't the happiest on one level because, you know, you've been so used to being around Swami, you want to be around him. Now it's like he's sending you off to another, this faraway post. Yeah. <laughs> it's another like, country yeah, sometimes. It's another country sometimes. And so, of course, you know, they would say, but Swamiji, you know, how would we know what to do? Uh, you've just kind of, you're just sending us there and it's like you're just leaving us on your, our own. Of course, they were also joking, but Swami didn't want them to ever feel that way. Catching that thought, he says, I'm never going to leave you on your own. I'm always sending you thoughts constantly of what could be helpful for you. But it is up to you to see which thought you're able to catch and which thought resonates with your own nature and then for you to uniquely express it. And that's how the masters work. Their job is to send their unique vibrational signature of what they would like to see happen, what they know would be beneficial for us. But then our job is to see which ones we're able to catch, which ones then we're able to not just catch, but then to kind of integrate and make our own. So it's not just that. Otherwise, you know, we become very, we become essentially slaves also just to awaiting what the Guru is going to say. Whereas the Guru doesn't want us to reduce our will Oh, and kind of weaken our will, hoping and waiting for his will to be imposed. He wants our will to be so strong that it can be lifted up, able to pick up that divine will and able also to manifest the divine will because the divine will, the power that divine will carries, it cannot be expressed through a weak will. And so that's how the guru-disciple relationship really works. It's that silent signature on all your thoughts that you start to feel, ah, oh, wait a minute, and you start to recognize these aren't just my thoughts. Where did this inspiration come from? Because believe us, we're not capable of these inspirations. We're not capable of so clearly sometimes seeing what the next step is, but yet there it is. And for Narayani and me, what's fun is that we get to catch sometimes these thoughts independently at the same time 
and then kind of share it with one another and that's always um, a confirmation for us that okay something more is going on you know it's not just me kind of hoping and thinking and uh, kind of my intuition is telling me but that both of us are tuning into a very similar and and both of us will express it differently however even though we're tuning into that same signature Sri Yukteswar's impartial justice was notably demonstrated during the summer vacation of my first college year. You may be in charge of the hermitage. Master, Master was pleased over my enthusiastic arrival. Your duties will be the reception of guests and supervision of the work of the other disciples. So Sri Yukteswar has now placed young Mukunda as in charge of the ashram big responsibility so you know that he's pleased with what's going on how uh, mukunda is progressing however now kumar a young villager from east bengal was accepted a fortnight later for hermitage training remarkably intelligent he quickly won sri yukteswar's affection for some unfathomable reason Master was very lenient to this new resident. <laughs> so it's completely different from what people are used to seeing in Sri Yukteswarji. Just being lenient, being loving, being kind, being more accepting of this person's faults. Uh, you wanted to say something? Yes. It's, it, may, it gave me a hint here of Sri Yukteswar's Mm, I mean, it's, it wasn't a preference, but his really appreciation of, you know, bright brains, <laughs> you know, and sharp intelligence, because, you know, Yogananda writes here, a boy who was remarkably intelligent. I mean, like his wisdom, the sharpness of, you know, his quick ability to grasp things. And I think think that was something that Sri Yudeshwar really could see, enjoy. you know, enjoy that very, very much. And of course, even though we know the masters have not favored, but there is like almost a, a pulling towards something that really resonates with their own nature too. And we know Sri Yudeshwar was, you know, the king of pure wisdom, pure gyan. So for him to recognize a disciple, with that kind of ability to use his brain. I'm sure it was quite fun satisfying <laughs> yeah. also and fun and gratifying to see how that disciple, you know, would unfold on the path. Mukunda, let Kumar assume your duties. Employ your own time in sweeping and cooking. Ouch! <laughs> Master issued these instructions after the new boy had been with us for a month. Exalted to leadership, Kumar exercised a petty household tyranny. In silent mutiny, the other disciples continued to seek me out for daily counsel. Mukunda is impossible. You made me supervisor, yet the others go to him and obey him. Three weeks later, Kumar was complaining to our guru. That's why I assigned him to the kitchen and you to the parlor. Sri Yukteswar's withering tones were new to Kumar. This was the first time Sri Yukteswarji was showing his, his true nature to Kumar. In this way, you have come to realize 
that a worthy leader has the desire to serve and not to dominate. You wanted Mukunda's position, but could not maintain it by merit. Return now to your earlier work as cook's assistant. After this humbling incident, Master resumed towards Kumar a former attitude of unwanted indulgence. Who can solve the mystery of attraction? So, of course, Sri Yukteswarji, I mean, it was obvious to the uh, ashram residents that Sri Yukteswarji had a soft spot for this boy Kumar. But nonetheless, even though he had a soft spot, it wasn't going to stop him from ensuring that this boy, who is his responsibility, this disciple who has come to him for training, that he receive exactly what he needs. And in this particular case, even though he held a very soft spot for the boy, but he kind of made quite an example of him, especially from this perspective, because it's easy for us to think. I, I, I know in our own time with Swamiji, Swamiji also had his, you know, certain people that he enjoyed very much having around. In the past, he's had, um, if you hear some of the stories early on, there have been people who've come and Swamiji, you know, had them around all the time and nobody else could figure it out because to everybody else, these people were really hard and negative and, you know, nobody else could get along with them except Swami and Swami loved having them. He would give them roles of leadership and responsibility, even though they weren't deserving. And so who knows what karmas are playing out, what every disciple, because we have to also think about the Guru from the perspective, not just that he's one with God, but also that he has lived an entirely human existence as well, lifetime after lifetime. And a lot of karma and relationships grow around that. Swamiji would talk to us about his life as, you know, a king, as a warrior. And many of us can feel and see how we could have been, you know, soldiers in the army, somebody in the court, somebody was his minister, someone was... And you can even now, if you watch, you know, the dynamics of Ananda, especially back when Swamiji was the, the focal point of those dynamics, you could see a lot of that playing out even now, but differently. And Swami, even though remembered those relationships that existed and honoured those relationships, he never let those relationships uh, cloud his responsibility and his duty to the disciples which was to shape them which was to free them and this is what was happening here with Sri Yukteswar so if you find um, you're in an ashram or you're part of an organization or whatever be the case you have a uh, you're in a in a in an interaction with somebody you consider to be spiritually more elevated somebody you're trying to draw from don't get easily confused and swayed by the fact that they might seemingly have some people who are closer to them, some people who don't seem so close, some people who are their favorites. Um, don't get confused by that play. Know that they are participating in everybody's karma, knowing exactly what these people need. But if the Guru is true, if the path is real, then what's what's most important is what we see next is as master says do you want to add something Tho? yeah and let's not forget that they are there for a reason and even though it's the guru's responsibility to help them to grow and to shape their understanding and their weaknesses and their own karma 
It's so interesting that Kumar had to show up in Yogananda's life, in his own discipleship at this very moment for a specific reason. And we will see now in the next few paragraphs, like Yogananda really had to be tested by his brother disciple and test his own discipleship. So, mm -hmm. so let's not forget that those people that seem to be triggering us, that seems to be, you know, competing with us or we think so, they are there for a reason to teach us something perhaps is detachment perhaps is a sense of freedom perhaps humility i mean something where uh, our faith our discipleship needs to be tested and sometimes it only comes through another guru bite through another fellow disciple so yes both things are playing right now the guru disciple relationship with that unique person but also with you that person has come right now <laughs> just to to help you to help you grow spiritually so we will see like um, mukunda at some point will be very grateful for kumar's presence at the ashram though the new boy was obviously sri yukteswar's favorite I felt no dismay. Personal idiosyncrasies possessed even by masters lend a rich complexity to the pattern of life. What I was seeking from Sri Yukteswar was a more inaccessible benefit than just outward praise. Mm. And that's what we need to look for. Go beyond, go beneath, go under the surface. Don't get easily swayed by human dynamics. Don't get, you know, again, as I say, we've seen Swamiji give so much energy to certain people, be so, you know, outwardly sweet with them. And then those people aren't able to even stay strong on the path. And they often, in fact, left. And you'd wonder, why did Swamiji? And in some cases, he'd tell you about it. And he'd say, you know, it was just with the hope that this time I could, you could, I could see their trajectory and with the hope that just this time we can hold them on. So the, the Guru's role is so individual with the disciples, even though sometimes it may feel or seem that he's kind of this impersonal, you know, just giving everybody equally, but he knows exactly what every one of us needs and his, his attempt is in fact for each of us how long can I ground them and root them in the spiritual path until their own power shines forth and is able to draw, to continue them on? Because we're just so easily influenced, so easily pulled, how easily our mind gets distracted. So the Guru, these great masters, they employ <laughs> far more than just, you know, talking to us about the scriptures or explaining to us some, you know, how the astral worlds work. I mean, that's, all that stuff is, in fact, in many ways, secondary. And the first is what he's trying to give us. And if we're open to what he's trying to give us, just as Master was saying, what I was seeking from Sri Yukteswar was far more inaccessible than just outward praise. A year later, Kumar set out for a visit to his childhood home. He ignored the quiet disapproval of Sri Yukteswar, who never authoritatively controlled his disciples' movements. On the boy's return to Sirampur a few months later, 
a change was unpleasantly apparent. Gone was the stately Kumar with serenely glowing face. Only an undistinguished peasant stood before us, one who had lately acquired a number of evil habits. So here it is, Kumar, who thinks now he's beyond reproach because the master is just, you know, so kind towards him. You naturally start thinking that because the guru is, you know, um, behaving with me in this particular way, that means I'm special. That means I'm, I'm beyond reproach. I'm not like the others, you know, and so therefore I can do more than what others can't. And in this particular case, Kumar said, you know, I want to, I'm going to go back for a little while to my childhood home. And Sri Yukteswarji again, very kind of quiet, Gentile. silent disapproval. You have to pick up these things. They won't tell them to you. Mm -hmm. Again, coming to Swami Kriyananda, people coming for him for advice or, you know, they want to know if this direction that they're taking is, is good for them. And if you don't pay close enough attention, it would seem like Swamiji is not really, he's, he's telling you, yeah, sure, you know, go ahead. Uh, of course, I support you. And as he would later on say, I'm always going to support you. I may not support what you want to do, but you I will always support. As in the individual, the guru is always going to support. But if you're not paying attention, you will miss that very gentle because they're not going to impose themselves. They're not going to change your karma until you yourself are able to experience what it means when the Guru silent signature is available on your thought. I remember Swamiji sometimes also telling someone like, I don't know what you should do. Hmm. I will meditate on it. That's all. I don't know what to do. I will meditate on it. And he will allow the disciple you know, to spend perhaps a few days meditating, trying to tune into it, and then this person will come, you know, a few days later and say, Swamiji, I, I felt this. I, I think this is what I should do. And Swamiji will confirm, yes, this is it. I was yeah. hoping that you will come to the solution on your own, on your own attunement, your own requesting to the master. So each guru, each spiritual teacher has a specific way, the divine teachers in many, many ways. I was also thinking that here Yogananda says, a year later, mm. so for a whole year, <laughs> Yogananda had to go day after day after day, and it's not like now, uh, in lockdown where you know we don't see each other we don't need to see each other faces for 24 hours so we can have a you know break from each other i mean yogananda every single day had to face kumar's behavior perhaps to see sri yuteshwar's you know loving tendency <laughs> towards kumar you know he was still yogananda you know doing his chores so just imagine a self-realized master, Yogananda, going, you know, through a very perhaps strong karmic test with, with, you know, every single day. Okay, let's see what I need to face today. But you can see, you know, that when Yogananda was truly at peace with himself, knowing that his guru knew what he was doing then, 
the karma between them starts dissolving, start changing, and now we'll see the, the end result. And so here he is, Kumar has returned and picked up a few <laughs> unpleasant habits along the way. Master summoned me and broken-heartedly discussed the fact that the boy was now unsuited to the monastic hermitage life. Mukunda, I leave it to you to instruct Kumar to leave the ashram tomorrow. I can't do it. Tears stood in Sri Yukteswar's eyes, but he controlled himself quickly. The boy would never have fallen to these depths had he listened to me and not gone away to mix with undesirable companions. He has rejected my protection. The callous world must be his guru still. Sad, huh? Yet at the same time, um, a very common thing. You know, you would think, wow, here he is with a self-realized master. Here he is with somebody who could really, really free him. Not like, you know, some of us just hoping we're, we're doing the right thing, hoping that every inspiration we're getting is fine. Not having the guru in the body to confirm everything we want to confirm from him. Not that they did confirm even when they were in the body, but at least we can, you know, we can uh, dream that that would be true. And yet, that's it. That's all you got. One year is all you really got. One year to figure it out. One year to change and transform. One year to attune. And many of us get one year, two years, three years and still there we go. In uh, Yogananda's own ashram years later when now he's the guru. There was a similar man, uh, a disciple, a monastic, who after a while he left the path and Yogananda said he wept all night because had that man stayed just one more night, just one more night at the ashram, he would have overcome that karma and not had to, and not have to waste an entire life. Can you imagine? And for all of us, it could have, it can be just one more night, just one more time where we controlled a certain habit, just one more thing where we didn't give in to a certain compulsion and that could have been it. But then when we give it, boom, the cycle starts again. I love these words here where, where Sri Yukteswarji says, he has rejected my protection. And that's a big part of the guru-disciple relationship. It is up to us to constantly stay in that ray. We can, I mean, we step out of it a lot, quite often. Every time we decide to just go on on our own, you know, women fancy in one, se one sense or the other, we're stepping out of that ray. But in this particular case, this was as far as Sri Yukteswarji could impose that protection on Kumar. And he realized that this is not going to work. Even while he were at the ashram, Sri Yukteswar now could no longer wrap him in his aura. And that happens to a lot of people. Just living in a spiritual setting doesn't guarantee that you're in fact a disciple. Uh, Yogananda would jokingly... No, no, go ahead. <laughs> you want to tell it? You no, can no. say it. You say it better. <laughs> no, I'm sure you will have more no, fun no. if you say it. Please, go ahead. We talk about how in the, you know, he talked about in Mount Washington, which was their ashram. He says, there are many rats on our property as well. <laughs> but that does not mean that they too are making spiritual progress. So 
don't confuse the fact that you belong to an organization or that you're around certain people who are spiritual that you know you show up for certain events and you know feel that oh look at me i'm participating doesn't mean that you're necessarily in the only way you'll know that you're in is how you feel the presence of the guru within you and then of course this next line which is also very important is the callous world must be his guru still and that's what's happening for the majority of the world of all the people the world itself is a great guru and it's going to why because it's going to teach you through karma through disappointment through fulfillment through the bashing that the world tends to give us that's what's needed for most of us in fact is just to experience that over and over again until we are humbled enough were um, refined enough purified enough that all of that has churned in us that deeper yearning for god alone and then and only then really do we have the great blessing of having a guru and again i say this the blessing of having a guru is not just taking discipleship is not just belonging to any form or any organization or any setting uh, it's very much are you in that ray of protection do you feel that you're in there do you act like you're in there do you live like you're in there do you express everything uh, to the best of your ability as if you are a disciple of a great master then and only then can we in fact call ourselves disciples anything you want to add kumar's departure brought me no elation sadly i wondered how one with power to win a master's love could ever respond to cheaper allures well sad indeed keen intelligence is too edged master once remarked in reference to kumar's brilliant mind it may be used constructively or destructively like a knife either to cut the boil of ignorance or to decapitate oneself intelligence is rightly guided only after the mind has acknowledged the inescapability of spiritual law and so this is for all of those of us out there who are very a uh, little prideful of our intelligence of our very quick wit and our sharp minds uh, <laughs> it's much safer to be in your heart but you know for some of us that may not be much of an option we've been uh, gifted of course uh, a sharp ability to discern to create to perceive but as sri yukteswar ji says here it's a it in fact is quite the double edged sword my own tendency has been very mental for for many of my earlier years on the spiritual path i feel now that i'm not that mental anymore i don't think as much or as like obsessively as i used to but i could see how easily my own, the sharpness of my own mind would draw me into these never ending circles you know just trying to figure out on a outward intellectual level and then also then when you think that you can grasp these really deep subjects you assume that somehow that means you actually know it or you've realized it or that now these subjects are just so easy for me i must be that highly spiritual 
and that usually leads to great <laughs> falls from the spiritual path just as Kumar here experienced that oh nothing can happen to me I'm already you know I know these things I know how karma works I know how that happens and then of course he says that intelligence is rightly guided only after the mind has acknowledged the inescapability of spiritual law so we're not trying to use our intelligence which is very much a worldly intelligence we even see the spiritual path only from that worldly perspective we have to learn to see it first from the inside and only after we recognize that the laws of the spirit world are what govern everything then and only then can we use our intelligence rightly anything to say on <laughs> intelligence no <laughs> Okay, we'll have Narayani start with the next one. We don't want to just hear me yapping. Please. My guru mixed freely with men and women disciples, treating all as, as his children, perceiving their soul quality, soul equality. He showed no distinction or partiality. In sleep, you do not know whether you are man or a woman, he said. Just as a man impersonating a woman does not become one, so the soul impersonating both man and woman has no sex. The soul is the pure, changeless image of God. So very, of course, relevant to our times uh, where gender inequality has just been something that's, I don't know, we've been carrying with us for a long, long time. It's gotten a lot better, but it's also gotten a lot more confused because with the rise of feminism, now with the rise of even more um, genders, so to speak, you've got, you know, now the transsexual community, you've got, I mean, it's just, it's growing. The different identifications that the soul can kind of paste on itself has grown. And even in that, it's very hard for us to tune into what's right, what's wrong, how should I deal with this person, how should I deal with that person. Sometimes at work, you know, women continue still to face a lot of disparity, whether in pay, whether in authority, whether in responsibilities. Um, but right here, Sri Yukteswarji says, for those of us who recognize the reality of the soul, it's very important to always see every individual, every person, not as man, woman, or the other, but really to just see them as a soul on a very long journey. And we've all been men, we've all been women, we've all been eunuchs, we've all been everything. There is a possibility of being anything that you can think of. We've all been it. So uh, there's no particular need to cling on to this one form right now and kind of get excited about this one form because for all you know, in the next life, you're going to be the other form and you'll be just as excited and just as, you know, kind of revolutionary about the other form. And the more, remember in the Gita, the more outward we are, the more we feel that we have to do one thing or the other in either direction is that we'll stay in that form flow for a very very long time and so you will just keep fighting for gender equality as a man as a woman as another as whatever and you will just keep fighting never get to the point where you go beyond that so from very right now start to see start to perceive those at home your loved ones your parents your mother your father 
don't create necessarily too much distinction don't box people in based on their gender especially i really appreciated the way swamiji led ananda mm. and how he gave roles of leaderships not based on gender but really based on what was important for the soul what will give them spiritual growth and what were the strengths that they needed to cultivate uh, i don't know if you know naya swami uma she's right now living in assisi but at some point swamiji asked her to work in a garage in ananda and she was the one in charge of repairing cars and she asked swamiji but swamiji i i have no idea about cars i don't know how swamiji just just give it a try this is going to be a very good thing that you know there is something here that it will help you balance many aspects of your nature so of course you know uma like so loyal and so you know trust full of swamiji she start working in this garage and she says that for a few years she was there and afterwards she realized how much she learned how many aspects and she never identified that work as something that only men can do and you know like th there was so much more involved and you would see that people in ananda men and women are equally balanced you can see women who have that wisdom and that sense of practicality combined with the devotion of the heart and then you would see men you know like are not just all about gya you know you can see people like naya swami jyotish you know such a perfect combination and such a refined keen knowledge but with a huge soft compassionate heart and this is what we need today in the world you know in leadership you know in politicians you know in our presidents you know to <laughs> to have that perfect combination of heart and mind and and swamiji was very specific if he saw that someone was using gender in order also to justify themselves he will correct that immediately for me personally sometimes swamiji asked of me things that i consider i mean like i could never do this this is such a you know mankind type of job and then i found myself that by doing it i gained so much so a guru will never uh, differentiate at that level he will give you roles and give you positions that will have only one purpose to balance that masculine and energy together within you and i think that's a greatest uh, one of the greatest gifts that a guru can give you even yogananda you know he was you know his natural temperament nature was all about bhakti but sri yudeshwar brought that practicality that wisdom that jnana that yogananda needed to develop for the work he had to perform in the future mm. so you know look in your own nature 
and associate yourself, work and do seva with those gurubais, with those people who have that specific quality that you need to develop. If you are very, you know, harsh and you are very dry and you are very <laughs> just, you know, look for that person who is more devotional type, who, you know, who leads more from the heart, who has that vibration and just, you know, mix yourself with that person and, and gain from one another rather, rather than judging that person, you know, like maybe I can gain by being in their presence if le in learning how they treat other people if you rather need a little bit more of discrimination and practicality just choose and work with those people uh, at home or in your organis in your organization who really have a sharp practical you know very clear organized mind and again learn from one another because everyone has something beautiful to contribute to your life. In fact, this very photograph of Master, so many people have mistaken him for a woman. woman. And over here, you've just got that perfect blend, you know, where both those energies come together just in that fine balance. And uh, that's what we need to be like as well. And that's what we're trying, what we're in fact learning. I need much more of that feeling. I need much more of the heart energy uh, in order for me to find absolute completeness. The Ardhanareshwari who we worship as Shiva and Parvati needs to happen. I also remember of a fun story of Swamiji that Naya Swami Nirmala tells mm -hmm. in which she says that once I believe they were traveling in a car and there was a billboard of, uh, you know, one of, uh, of I don't know, was it uh, makeup or some such thing or a you know very very sensual dress of some kind whatever something very feminine and Swamiji turns to Naya Swami Nirmala and says if you were a woman would you wear something like that and she looks at Swami and says Swami I, I am a woman <laughs> and Swami's like hmm, yeah. like it's hard it was hard for him to kind of tune into her just as that because he recognized in her far more qualities and far more realities than just the one that she or we would have defined her as. Uh, this is a little fun thing again connected to that. Master says here, I once inquired of my guru why an ancient saint had called women the door to hell. It's unfortunate but here it is. And Sri Yukteswarji just perfectly beautifully says, a girl must have proved very troublesome to his peace of mind in his early life, my guru answered caustically. Otherwise, he would have denounced not woman, but some imperfection in his own self-control. How beautiful. Anything, I mean, and this is, of course, has nothing to do with gender, but anything that we feel or we say that's the problem and this is not right and that is not right, as Sri Yukteswarji says. But what's also beautiful here, just the naturalness. is like, of course, you know, if I had trouble with something and I used a certain manner to overcome it, now, of course, I'm going to share that with people. So if this particular saint had an issue where his mind was probably being drawn to women inwardly and it was giving him trouble in his own spiritual growth, in his sadhana, and that tends to happen. 
Um, so obviously he he put out a lot of energy to ensure that that does not happen and that's the kind of life he lived to find the freedom that he was looking for and so therefore that's the that's the way he professed but then of course the more important thing as Sri Yukteswarji says that in the end you'll realize that you're not denouncing anything outside you'll only realize that it is within you that there is some imperfection of self-control self-control here being there is part of a karmic tendency inside us there's a certain flow of life force inside us that's not yet mastered and therefore has life of its own and has a potential to be drawn in certain directions on its own without your sanction and that's really what we're trying to do ensure that all of our own life force is ours to direct and has no individual those vrittis individually don't have enough energy enough power to draw them elsewhere or to blame something outside yourself being the cause of you know not being able to progress spiritually <laughs> you know that that's also another subtle thing that we find ourselves and we need to fight with it almost daily over you know um wanting to blame always things outside ourselves so we can <laughs> save like you know the reason oh. for not being this way is just because that person or that situation and you know you should neglect they need it. to change they need to change so it's it's good for us to start really seriously taking responsibility uh, for our shortcomings for our weaknesses and know that you know there is still work that needs to be done and it's not because anybody else or because anything else it's just you know things that we have not learned and this is why we are here and it's a privilege mm. to be born and do of you know make of this lifetime the best of it well friends with that i think we're here at a close let's not begin a new subject and let's just kind of contemplate everything we have uh, just experienced today you've mm. got the story of kumar you've got that you know don't get too easily swayed by just outward perceptions and outward dynamics of humankind even within a spiritual reality try always to go and try to feel that silent signature of the guru of whoever you're trying to attune to as being present with you always and then try to go beyond you know any such need for recognition for praise even from your own loved ones just feel their love rather than look for outward signs always to kind of bolster in fact in a sense our own egoic identifications and then of course you've got as we end very clearly with recognize people as souls above all even and we're not even really talking about gender here we're talking about anything anything that you see in them that you would have them be defined as this is how this person always is oh he always or she always does this oh they're not you know they're not smart enough oh they don't have enough heart quality whatever it is they're just they're not serviceful enough whatever it may be be very 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 careful <laughs> because what you're seeing in somebody else just as Sri Yukteswar ji was saying is only an a inability reflection. of your own 
to you know find that perfect sense of mastery of self so play with these two thoughts during this week look for different relationships in your life that you seem to be dependent on or look for too much outward support from and see if you can deepen that relationship on uh, on subtler levels until you know that this person is yours is with you all the time and nothing else matters as much and then of course try to lift that relationship higher beyond just the person to god to guru but don't go to the extremes <laughs> <laughs> make this a progressive joyful natural process because remember if we go too far <laughs> to this side we'll need to come back to this other side too so take your time enjoy it in a very relaxing though not wasting time <laughs>